All right, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday night, as I'm recording this, following uh, the fifth straight Nuggets loss of 119-100 to the Portland Trailblazers on the road. Uh, Denver doesn't play again until Friday against the Milwaukee Bucks, and you should count that as a blessing, to be frank, because this has just been a really, really painful uh, five-game losing streak in a number of reasons. Uh, I want to start it off with the good and then get into the bad and the ugly in the in the subsequent segments, and then we're going to talk about the curse because this is a this is getting to a point now where it, it just feels like the team is is falling into some sort of demonic trap or some sort of trap laid down by some sort of witch where everything that can go wrong has gone wrong like Murphy's law everything that has gone that could go wrong for the nuggets this season after a 9 and 5 9 and 4 start uh has just completely fallen out of whack and it's too bad they they've given up all of the the positive momentum that they had after a five game win winning streak on a homestand and it just it just is not fun uh i am opening up an alcoholic beverage to enjoy during this podcast just so everybody knows it's uh it's just been that kind of couple weeks for nuggets nation i will say all right the good let's talk about the good first Denver only loses by 19, and it was actually closer than the score indicated, I thought. Um, Jeff Green was really good in this game. I thought that Jeff Green did a lot of great things, most of them on the offensive end, but he had a lot of great moments defensively too. And if he had more people joining joining him to the party on both ends of the floor, then I think that Denver makes this an even closer game. But I thought Jeff Green had a fantastic effort. 24 points, played 35 minutes, by the way. He's 35 years old. The dude, he, he does not need to be playing so many minutes, but he has to because of the injuries. But he goes 24 points on 9 of 16 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3. That's a great sign. 3 of 3 from uh, the free throw line as well. 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 block shots. Only two turnovers on a night where Denver had 17. Uh, I thought he was great. I thought that when you need somebody to step up in these situations, uh, it has been Barton in the past. It's been Gordon in the past. Tonight it was Jeff Green. And he really fit in as the player that they could give the ball to several possessions in a row and just has been very, very competent over the course of these past few Uh, he's been one of the only ones. He's been one of the only consistent options, but slowly, steadily, he has sort of found his rhythm uh, with this Nuggets starting unit. And he had been taking a breath. He had been uh, kind of pacing himself at various points before this stretch. But despite the losses, Jeff Green has looked a lot better. I'm glad that we're getting to see this version of him because he has been a really, really good player. That's good to see, because I don't know when we're getting Michael Porter back. So having Jeff Green step up and doing really good things, that's helpful. 
more good. Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon defended Damian Lillard tonight. Lillard had a really good game. That's tough. But Damian Lillard is Damian Lillard. Uh, you just can't you just can't hold Aaron Gordon at six foot eight, usually defending bigger wings uh, to such a high standard when guarding guys like that. Thought that the defense wasn't great, but the offense was really good. 11 points, 5 of 9, 3 assists, 3 rebounds, got an and one as well. Uh, Wasn't as aggressive in this one tonight because Jeff Green was taking a lot of those shots in those same spots that he would have looked for, and that was fine. The fact that those two both could have done it was very helpful. But Aaron Gordon, several times tonight, going up against Norman Powell, going to the glass, showcasing his ability to um, use his size, use his technique in the post, been really aggressive going through guys without fouling. And I thought that he did a really great job tonight. Norman Powell really struggled with him, just, just really, really could not contain him. And Aaron Gordon getting going like that was a good sign. Faka Campaza doing a little bit of everything himself too. 29 minutes tonight. A lot of minutes for Faku. And I thought that they were deserved. Eight points. And he was only a minus seven, by the way. Bench played really well. Uh, it was the starters that mostly gave up the, the large runs here and there. But the bench, especially kind of the direct bench guys, Zeke, Faku, Austin Rivers, those guys were really good in their minutes. Um, Faku, though, let's focus on him. Eight points, two of four from three, two of three from the free throw line, five assists, one turnover, three steals. Was doing a little bit of everything when he was on the court. Uh, It has been a good sign that Faku has been very dedicated to getting all the way to the rim. That is one of the things that has really stood out about his transition from being an unplayable player for Denver, to now kind of figuring it out. Now showcasing uh, some of the good things that he can do as a passer when he goes all the way to the rim. He's been doing great in setting the table for others. And I thought that tonight he hit Austin Rivers on some shots. He hit uh, Zeke Naji on some shots. I think he hit uh, Jermichael Green as well, but I could be wrong. Uh, Just looked a lot better running the show. And the plus minus kind of reflects that, that despite the fact that the Blazers, their their bench has been pretty good for them all year. I didn't think it was that great for them tonight. I thought that their starting group was the group that really mattered. And it just stands out when Faku is making the hustle plays, when he's forcing the opposing team to look at him, get get upset with him, trying to do everything that they can to point out to the refs that he's doing something wrong. That's the version of Faku that you want. Now, there were a couple of examples of him going too frenetic on the defensive end and giving up an open shot to his own man as a result. I thought that CJ McCollum hit him with one of those in the fourth quarter, maybe late third. Uh, A really good example of that. But he's been overall really good. He has stepped up in the face of what has been really tough. And I like what I see from him. And I'm starting to change my tune a little about it, a little bit about what Composo can do. Uh, 
I think a lot of it helps that he has a big that can shoot in Zeke Naji. Let's talk about him. Eight points, seven rebounds, two block shots for Zeke Naji, three of six from the field, two of four from three. Showed some great signs in his return. He's going to gut it out. He's always going to play hard. He's always going to be in the right spot, or at least close to the right spot because he's trying to get there. And tonight, he had shot six of 10 from three point range, goes two of four tonight. So now he's up to eight of 14. He's shooting 57% from three point range on the year. And it's getting to be enough of a sample size with him that when he gets his opportunities, he's making the most of them consistently. He's been rebounding the ball well. He's been defending his ass off. He's been hitting open shots. It stands out with him that whenever he has had his opportunities, he has capitalized on them and the Nuggets look pretty good while he's doing it. I was really impressed with him tonight. He did have three turnovers. There were some moments where he lost the ball, wasn't really strong with it, uh, made bad decisions at times. You're going to live with some of those if the rest of it is pretty good, if he's working hard, if he's hitting shots, if he's doing everything else. Because I thought he worked really hard defensively, got switched onto Anthony Simons multiple times, and Simons got him the first time, couldn't get him the second in pretty quick succession. Nashi's really good. And I think that he's going to be in the rotation going forward. I would I would be surprised. Like, I would play him over Jermichael Green. If that's the choice that you have to make in the rotation, then so be it. But what I do really think should happen, if Denver ever gets kind of healthy, if Jokic comes back, let's say, I think you move Jermichael Green to the bench. I think you could play him next to Najee, but you should play two bigs. Because the team just looks better in that configuration, and they look better when Zeke Naji's on the floor, because he's at least a good floor spacer. He has done really well there. And it's about time to dedicate some time, dedicate some development for him. Because if the Nuggets are going to be without another 6'10 shooter, then maybe they could go get another talented one from their bench unit. Zeke Naji's talented enough to be a pretty consistent three-point shooter on open shots. So as long as Denver continues to work with him, as long as they continue to get him some opportunities where he can pick and pop, where he can just take open shots, if he can do everything else, he should be in this rotation. Full stop. Last one before we take a break. Austin Rivers, I do think that he's taking some, some good shots here. The threes are on less of a delay. The threes are on the catch. They're not on uh, holding the ball, taking a jab step, and then firing it up. He's been taking these shots in pretty good rhythm. And tonight he goes eight points, three of six from the field, two of five from three. Had one drive tonight where he was against, uh, it was either Simons or Snell or somebody like that, but uh, he drove baseline, hit a nice tough shot over the, the defender on him, as well as the rotating defender, hit a nice bank shot off of the kind of the, a very strong angle. Uh, strong angle. I don't know what that means, but a very uh, 
tough angle on the shot. And he has that capability to do it. I was very curious as to why he wasn't being more aggressive when he was playing with Denver's bench unit early in the season. He It really just looked like he didn't want to make a mistake. Uh, I will say, and maybe I should save this for the bad, but I'll just talk about it here. His defense has slipped. His defense has not been good. He's been in a situation where the offense is kind of getting up there and the defense is kind of regressing. It's a tough cover to go up against the Blazers, to go up against Dame, CJ. But he's letting Norman Powell go by him, letting Anthony Simons go by him, not necessarily rotating the way that he needs to, and not really staying attached the way that he needs to. So I hope that he figures that out. Denver's going to need him. They really need all of their guys, especially if P.J. Dozier is going to be out for a significant period of time. But that's it for the good. Let's take a break. We're going to do the bad and the ugly in the second segment when we come back. We will be right back here. But first, as you guys know, Thanksgiving is upon us. And DraftKings Sportsbook, they are doing everything that they can to take care of you with some free bets. If you bet on the Thanksgiving NFL games, if you bet just $1, that's it, just one. You can get $100 worth of free bets if either team scores a point. I know I'll be betting on the Cowboys, even though they have some some missing players at receiver, including my guy on fantasy football, C.D. Lamb. But I've also got Ezekiel Elliott, and I think he's going to feast. I think he's going to eat. I'll be betting a dollar on them because I know that I can get $100 in free bets. And even if it's not them, if either team scores a point... I can get it. I can get $100 in free bets. For the Thanksgiving games too, all customers get a risk-free bet up to $25 if you do a same-game parlay that doesn't win. That means you can go crazy. You can go try to shoot for the moon. Get some big plus 1,200, plus 2,500 odds. Shoot for the moon. And even if you miss, you still get a risk-free $25 bet if that same-game parlay doesn't win. Great thing about DraftKings, safe, secure, and reliable. They're always going to let you deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings app now and use promo code MHS. Bet just $1, win $100 in free bets if either team scores just one point. That's promo code MHS, only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. into the bad here on Pickaxe and Roll as we, we go through the good, bad, and ugly of what was mostly a an interesting game from this Nuggets team where they, they fought. They fought really hard, and that is a good sign for this team that even without all the players that they have, even watching P.J. Dozier go down today in, in a really ugly way, uh, they are still in a spot where they feel like if they try hard, then they can absolutely win games. And I think that that Indiana game earlier in the season really galvanized them for these moments. 
that they don't have to have everybody. They just have to have the group that they do have in order to be competitive. The problem is, is that when you kind of go outside of that, when you try to be, not necessarily be selfish, but uh, frankly, Michael Malone called the group selfish for some of the run that they had in the late second quarter when the starters were on the floor and the Blazers go on an 18-3 to run because the Nuggets start turning it over. Will Barton did. Monte Morris did. They missed some bad shots. And then they don't get back on defense. And it's just very, very bad stuff uh, in those particular segments of the game. And it causes Denver to lose because remove that 18-3 to run and it's a four-point game as opposed to a 19-point game. You can't just do that. But it's about cutting out the mistakes that you feel like you can control. And Denver definitely could control those mistakes. And they didn't act like a team that wants to be a playoff team in that moment. Will Barton had a really tough game. I know that the the box score numbers really say otherwise. Um, 11 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. But he did have 4 turnovers. And those 4 turnovers, there was a lot of... Uh, just mishandling the ball, trying to go one-on-one, not getting the shots that you're looking to get. And there was also a possession in the second half that I pointed out that he had the ball for basically 20 of the 24 seconds on the clock, where he ran a pick and roll with Zeke Nagy, missed the read to get Zeke Nagy the open three, instead holds the ball a little bit, passes it off, gets it right back, gets another pick, holds the ball, doesn't do anything with it, passes it off, gets it right back, tries to make a dribble move, doesn't go anywhere, one second left on the shot clock, passes it off to somebody else, and Denver gets hit with the shot clock turnover because he chucks a grenade at somebody. That's not Nuggets basketball. That's not sharing the ball. That's not uh, going north and south. It was a really bad moment, and I wasn't really thrilled with that. I mean. Not to try to be making a pun there or anything, but it wasn't a good Barton game. I thought that he did a lot of things that made it look like he's not necessarily healthy. Four of ten from the field, three of six from three. Took a lot of shots, took a lot of outside shots. Didn't go to the rim a lot. And when you see lines like that and you see zero steals, zero blocks, uh... A part of me thinks that he's hurt. A part of me thinks that he's trying to gut it out, that he's doing what he can to, um, he's just doing what he can to stay out there for his team and and just gut out a good effort, despite being less than 100%. But if he's unhealthy, and if he keeps fighting through this thing, he's going to get seriously hurt. And I'd, I'd be very concerned about that, given where Denver's currently at. I hope he gets the break that he needs at some point, but it just doesn't look like the rest of the team's getting a break at all. And because of that, you're going to be scrambling just to try to field a roster. You're going to be scrambling to try to build a competitive product. And if Barton can go, he's probably going to. I hope that they find time to get him a break. Because he just, it doesn't look right, whatever it is. 
also bad tonight. Denver let CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard go off at the same time. I think the broadcast said that this was the first time this year that Lillard and McCollum had both had 20-plus points and over 50% from the field. That's pretty tough. That is not a good sign if you're Denver. Where those guys, they, they generally alternate. They generally, one of them has a good game, the other has a bad game, and then they're in for a tough performance. Denver couldn't defend either of them. They went big. They played a lot of big lineups, and I think that that contributed to some of it. But even when Denver was small, Lillard was hitting 30-footers again. CJ McCollum was getting easy shots off of relocations, off of quick dribble moves, off screens, doing everything that he usually does. He goes for 32 points. Lillard goes for 25. And they combined for it on 32 shots. It was just a very efficient shooting performance from them, and Denver never really put pressure on them to do anything. That's tough. That's really tough. So hope Denver can figure it out from a perimeter defense standpoint. Uh, so much is made of Denver's interior defense when they don't have Nicola, but their perimeter defense has always been an issue. It really has been that if they can't guard anybody, if they can't get in front of them and stay in front of them, then they're going to have a bad time. And that was the case with a lot of the baskets that the Blazers had, where it put Denver in rotation when Lillard and McCollum or Norman Powell immediately beat them off the dribble. So hope they can figure that out. Jamichael Green started this game badly, once again, from a shooting perspective. He had a good game. I, I don't know if it was the last one of the game before, but he had had a good shooting performance at one point. Started the game really, really slow. It was 0 of 3 on threes, uh, was 1 of 6, I'm pretty sure. Then he hit two shots kind of at the end. One of them was a, a mid-range uh, pick and pop where he didn't get all the way out to the three-point line, instead settled for the mid-ranger. And that might have been the best thing for him, because he saw the ball go through the net. Then he hit a corner three immediately after that, and it really looked like it maybe galvanized him. I don't know, but um, it's good to see the ball go through the net for Jermichael Green. It hasn't gone through enough. He has been playing good defense, and I thought that tonight was a pretty good example of that, where he has to defend Yusuf Nurkic, and do everything he can to keep him out of the paint. And Nurkic goes six points on six shots, only seven rebounds, turned the ball over twice. And I thought that when he attacked Jermichael Green, Green won. He definitely did. So I hope that the shooting is coming back. Only time will tell on that. But right now, I, I definitely trust Zeke Naji to hit shots more than I do Jermichael Green. And it's been enough games, it's been enough of a sample size that I think we could probably say that. Uh, at least it's a it's a minor concern for where Denver is at. They're over 20% of the way through the season. And Jermichael Green's still shooting about 23% from three, if I'm not mistaken. So it's not great. Finally, Monte Morris. Uh, Morris had four turnovers tonight was a non-factor defensively. He has to take some of the blame for Lillard, McCollum, and, and Powell going off for 
was that 72 points on 42 shots? That is a is a pretty tough um, rotation to be in on. And I, they put Aaron Gordon on Lillard for that reason. Uh, but McCollum then gets defended by Monte Morris or Will Barton, and then Monte has to guard the other guy or whichever the matchups that they decide to go with. It just seems like he has really regressed on the defensive end against some of the top guys. And it's one of the things that really stands out with him is that he's a solid defender positionally. He's solid when he goes up against bench guards, but when he's going up against starters, he needs to be better. He's had games where he has been good against starting guards, against Damian Lillard even. But at this point, Lillard has passed him by and Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball and guys like that in the uh, in the Chicago game, uh, Devin Booker, Chris Paul in the Phoenix Suns game. They can't put Monte on those guys. They choose not to put Monte on those guys. They choose to play him on Mikael Bridges instead, or Norman Powell, or Alex Caruso, or guys like that. So Monte just has to be better. He shot 7 of 11 from the field. Let's be clear about that had a good shooting performance tonight. Also shot two of three from the three-point line. That's a good sign. Maybe he gets more shots up from three and can get his percentage back up in well over 30, 32, 34, 35%. That would be great. Denver needs him to return to normal on that front. Almost as much as they need him to be better defensively. But they need everybody to be better defensively. And tonight, Denver shoots 46% from three. That is starting to come back to earth. That is starting to return to what we thought it would be heading into the year. And that's a good sign, of course. It is against the Blazers. The Blazers suck defensively. But I do think that there is something to seeing the ball go through the net a little bit more and hopefully trying to manifest it against the Milwaukee Bucks on Friday. Finally, the ugly, um, the PJ Dozier injury. It looked really bad in the moments. We didn't get an update on it post game. It's tough to see. PJ's had a tough year. I wrote about it today for Stat of the Week. Um, he's had a tough go at it, and because of that, oh, not because of that. He's still a guy that I think you trust in a playoff environment. He's a guy that. With his size, with his versatility, with his ability to play off of Murray, Porter, Jokic, those kinds of guys, though when Denver does get healthy, his value increases. Right now, Will Barton and Aaron Gordon are playing through the moon. They look great. Maybe they can be even better in a playoff series where when you have to sit Murray and Jokic, you can at least turn to Barton and Aaron Gordon. Maybe you can turn to Monte Morris in that case too, of course. But P.J. Dozier, if you're staggering lineups, if you're looking for players that can defend while Murray and Jokic take care of the offense, Dozier fits into that really, really well. And I hope that they continue to do that. I hope that he gets back out there. Hope that this is not a serious injury. It looked awful in the moment. And... He was questionable to return at one point, which makes me think that, okay, maybe it's not an ACL tear. But it certainly looked bad, and whatever it was looked really bad. So I'm, I'm hoping that he 
I'm hoping that he figures it out, gets healthy, doesn't have anything too serious, and then can get his his season back on track because he's a talented player in a contract year. He needs to play well. The Nuggets need him. They really, really do. Let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the idea of whether Denver is actually cursed. We'll be right back. Final segment here, pickaxe and roll. I neglected to talk about the bowl bowl play. And one of the reasons is because, well, I mean, everybody's talked everybody's going to talk about it. Like it's it's a play that stands out because it was that guy and because of what immediately happened after that. Um, but late in the fourth quarter. The Nuggets are down. They've got their bench, uh, their their deep bench lineup in the garbage lineup, and Peter Cornelly tries to pass it to Bull Bull, who gets the ball poked away by Greg Brown. Greg Brown collects the ball. Bull Bull's running back on defense, and then rather than rather than contest the shot, rather because he, he definitely had a an ability to contest it. There's no doubt about it. This is Bull Bull we're talking about. He can fly through the air and contest like like a pterodactyl. That's just what his arm wingspan is. But rather than go for it, rather than try to make a hustle play, Bull Bull pulls up, lets him get the uncontested dunk, and Greg Brown, a rookie out of Texas, puts the ball between his legs and dunks it. He gets to showboat a little bit. He's allowed to. This is home court, and he gets to show off in that moment. And Bull Bull let him. Bull Bull did not take any pride in that at all. Just let him kind of go about his business and let him have his moments. And that's not going to fly with me. It's just not. Like, I, I, do, I don't care. I don't care that it was garbage time, nor should anybody else. Because this is why Bull Bull is not playing for the Denver Nuggets. It's plays like these. It's the hustle plays. It's the effort plays. Where if you make mistakes and you don't necessarily execute to the perfection that Michael Malone wants, but if you do it at 100%, if you're flying around out there, if you're trying to make plays, if, if you can see the effort, then you can absolutely still be in Michael Malone's good graces. This is one of the reasons why Faku Campazzo has been in the rotation throughout most of this time. He's had moments where he's been out of it. But Michael Malone knows that if he takes Faku out and then puts him back in, he knows what to expect from him. If he takes Zeke Naji out of the rotation then puts him back in, he knows what to expect from Zeke Naji despite the fact that Zeke is younger than Bull Bull. Zeke is more inexperienced. He was a first-round pick in 2020. Bull came in in 2019. Zeke has had his time on the bench, working on his game, 
is one of the first people out of the tunnel, doing everything he can to put in the work on off days, on game days, on when he's playing, when he's not playing. He puts in the effort. The coaching staff sees that. They want to reward that. Bol Bol has not been putting in effort. I'll just tell you that flat out. There's a different level of intensity, of desire, and of want to between Zeke Naji and Bol Bol in similar situations. And that is why Zeke Naji has performed well. And it's why Bol Bol has not been given a chance to. It's because of this crap. That's tough. It's, it's tough to watch because this has just been a waste. It, it has been a wasteful experiment. After Denver drafted him, they traded up to get him. Traded into the draft to get him in the second round. They went out of their way. They helped him with his rehab. They took their time with him. They let him get right in the G League. Gave him some opportunities in the bubble. He was supposed to come in last year with a high level of effort and intensity and show off his wingspan, show off his skill set, show off the attitude and effort that it had changed, that everything was wrong, that was said about him. No, that's not what's happened. Everything that people said about Bol Bol was right. And frankly, he deserves to be flamed for this. Because he's had several opportunities. I know people want to say that they haven't given him a shot. They have. Because game day is only part of it. And he's still played in several games. It's not like he hasn't been able to come in in garbage time and show what he can do during that point. But he doesn't give effort in garbage time either. And it's getting really disappointing at this point. It's very emblematic that Austin Rivers, who came in here during the middle of last season, late, late last season, watched what he saw from Bowl Bowl tonight and immediately said, F this, and got up and walked off the floor. He, he walked off the bench because he wasn't about to sit around and watch somebody else not give 100% effort and just willingly give up a play like that. Let's transition, because I know I took a break, but then I remembered that I didn't talk about Bull and needed to get that off my chest. Are the Nuggets cursed? Are the Nuggets, like, invoking the name of the Dark Lord in some sort of ritual, and this is the penance they have to play? I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but tonight, or actually, let's say Monday, after the news came out on Sunday night, that Michael Porter could be done for the year. After that news came out, I wrote an article. I posted it on Monday, wrote it, writing about the idea of Denver being cursed as a franchise. That was Monday. The very next day today, on Tuesday, when I'm recording this. P.J. Dozier goes down in a heap, and it looks like he tore his ACL. That's what it looked like visually. I hope that's not what happened. I hope that the the x-rays and the MRIs that they get back can give them a firm picture that that is not what happened. It is a good sign that he was questionable to return at one point, and they decided to hold him out. 
Hopefully it's not an ACL. But he went down the day, like literally the day after I write that article. Nikola Jokic is out. Jamal Murray is out. Michael Porter Jr. is out. Bones Highlands out. Zeke Nashi, Flacco Chanchar, they just got back. They've been out. And now P.J. Dozier goes out too? It's unbelievable what's going on with this team right now. Everything in their mother is hitting them sideways. They haven't even embarked on their eight-game road trip yet. I actually think it's seven. I keep saying eight in all of my podcasts. I actually think that it's seven. But they haven't even gotten to that point, and they're already back to 500 after being nine and four. They've lost five games in a row after winning five in a row before. And it's all come crashing down. And this Nug life, it's not new if you're a Nuggets fan. You've experienced this for a long, long time. I wrote about some of these points in my article, but I'm going to expand upon them now. David Thompson, first team All-NBA back in 1978. Gets caught up in cocaine while coming back from an injury, which is extremely sad. I want to be sensitive to um, people that, that get caught up in drug abuse. I don't want to go into that particular aspect of it, but it was really, really sad. And He was at the top of his game, at the top of his world, and it just came crashing down after he hurt his leg and then turned to cocaine. Alex English, 1985 playoffs. The Nuggets are about to tie the series up against the Lakers two games apiece. They don't get a chance to because Alex English breaks his thumb when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar elbows him, just immediately like tries to target a like very, very intentional elbow, trying to get right into him. Alex English breaks his elbow or breaks his thumb in multiple places. And then doesn't come back in. Denver loses that series in five games. Their best opportunity, probably ever, to win a title. Fast forward to 1994, where the Nuggets, as the eighth seed, upset the Seattle Supersonics as the number one seed in five games. They're on top of the world. Immediately after that, the next season, Antonio McDias tears his ACL. One of the most exciting, athletic, physical players in Nuggets history. And it comes crashing down in a heap. 2009, Denver has the best team that they've assembled in a very, very long time. It looks like Carmelo Anthony is going to have a chance to compete for a championship in Denver with Chauncey Billups with him. And then Anthony Carter inbounds the ball to the wrong team in game one of the Western Conference Finals. Everything comes crashing down after that. Literally the next year, the Nuggets are the one seed. People forget about this within the grand scheme of history. They're the one seed. Things look good. They are doing awesome. And George Carl literally gets cancer. Towards the tail end of that year. 
assistant coach takes over for him. I think it's, uh, gosh, who was it? I can't remember. Man, that's bad. Um, is it Adrian Dantley? I don't know. Uh, assistant coach takes over. Nuggets lose. They they lose their their one seed spot at that point. They drop down to the four seed, lose to the Utah Jazz of all people in a pretty short series. Things just weren't the same. 2013, after you trade Melo, get back Danilo Gallinari. He looks really, really good with the 2012-2013 Nuggets. They win 57 games, but not before Gallo tears his ACL in early April. They were on top of the world. They were rolling. They were a team that was playing team basketball, up-tempo, scoring a whole heck of a lot, doing great things, switching, just doing a lot that, that would have been really great for the modern NBA. And one of their pivot points gets hurt, and they run into the Golden State Warriors. Things just aren't the same after that. Fast forward to last year. Nuggets are starting to roll. Michael Porter looks good. Nikola Jokic is the MVP. Jamal Murray looks pretty good. And then April 12th, Jamal Murray tears his ACL. It was extremely sad. Denver was potentially in line to win a title, or at least be very, very competitive. And they just never get their opportunity to do so. And then, not to be outdone, looks like Michael Porter's going to be out for a while with nerve damage in his back. Nikola Jokic goes out with a wrist injury. P.J. Dozier. Maybe gets a serious knee injury now. We don't know about that. Hopefully things turn out to be better than what they are. But it feels like we're following a cycle here. Where Denver, they start to play well. They start to show their ultimate talents. They're doing everything that they can to reach the pinnacle that they've never reached before. And they have the talent to make it work. And then things come crashing down after that. It always seems to happen. And it sucks. And it made me write that article that maybe they're cursed. Maybe there's something else going on here. This just feels so unnatural. That every time they reach a peak, it's immediately followed up by a Mariana's Trench of a valley. Where you come crashing down. It's just been really sad. It's hard to like. It, it's not hard to support this team though, because you can see the peaks. You can see everything that's going well. They go about their business in the right way, except for Bull Bull, and they seem to make it work every single time. It's just been too bad. I hope things turn around. I hope they make it work. We're just gonna have to see though. We're just gonna have to see if they can figure this out. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Make sure to use promo code MHS when you sign up. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll probably try to do a Thanksgiving episode tomorrow. I don't know if I want to podcast on Thursday night. I think I'm going to be pretty busy with the family, but we'll try to put out a Thanksgiving episode, see if everybody's interested in that. 
Uh, maybe I'll get on a special guest. Who knows? Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon.